0: Welcome to Mornings with God. I'm very, very excited that you are here. I'm very excited to talk about what we're going to talk about today, and that is getting focused on God. And for me, I studied this out not too long ago because I found myself at a point where it was really difficult to focus on God. I was trying to read my Bible. I was trying to pray and I was doing it. But these intrusive thoughts would keep coming in my mind. The, Um, I I couldn't stop thinking about work. I couldn't stop thinking about different situations in the ministry. I couldn't stop thinking about different relationships and things that were happening or were not happening. You know, I couldn't stop thinking about what so-and-so said to me or what so-and-so did not say to me, uh, what I said to certain people, what I wanted to say to certain people, um, the peace of my mind that I wanted to give certain people, Right. I was thinking about everything but God. And so I realized that my heart started to drift from God. And when my heart started to drift from God, it made it even harder to focus my thoughts and my mind on God, right? And so I studied this out and I really wanted to Just look at a few scriptures to kind of help us and kind of help us understand what God expects for our focus and then give us some practicals on how we can do that. How can we focus on God and in a way that both pleases him and makes us, makes our life more fruitful for him. Cool. So that's what we are going to study out today. First of all, the definition of focus. Is, I didn't write down my source, but it was probably Merriam-Webster dictionary because that's the source I always go with. Um, the definition of focus, it says the center of interest or activity, paying particular attention to, directed attention to cause to be concentrated, to concentrate attention or effort. And so when we are focused on God, that means that he is the center of every interest or activity. So right now we can ask ourselves, just not even with the scriptures yet, we can ask ourselves with the definition of focus, is God the center of every interest or activity that I have? So that automatically limits certain things, right? I know for me, I before I was really following God, you know, I started reading my Bible. I started trying to search after God. I had changed certain things in my life because I knew certain things I wasn't supposed to be doing. But then there was the question about, okay, well, do do I have to give up going to this place or do I have to give up doing this thing or do I have to give up hanging out with these people? And When we look at those questions in context of just the definition of focus, the the question comes up, well, is God your focus? Is God the center of that particular interest or activity that you were asking yourself about? If he is, then great. If he can be, meaning he wasn't before, but it is an interest or an activity that you can make him the center of and still continue to do it, then amen, go for it. Like God's not trying to take away all your fun, right? So go for it and continue to do that interest, that activity, that whatever. But if God cannot be the center of that interest or activity, for example, like if you, for whatever reason, like to go to strip clubs, I'm so sorry. Somebody's going to argue with me on this at some point, but there is no way that you can walk into a strip club and genuinely say that God is going to be the center of this interest or activity that I am about to partake in. So like that's a no. Right? That's a hard no. Um if you if it is a relationship that is not centered around God and that person has no interest in following God, being loyal to God, obeying God, there is no way that that relationship can be centered around God. That God can be the center of that interest or activity. There's just no way. That's that's a no. That's a hard no. Now your feelings may be telling you, ah, "Well, I know." No, it's not <laughs> like there's no way. So even in the definition, even the definition of focus is convicting because it's the center of. Interest or activity is God the center of that interest or activity? Can he be? If not then no no it's not it's not a thing you know And then it says paying particular attention to directed attention, and so are we directing our attention to God? and so that is super important, just in the definition of of focus. We can look at that and be like, okay, let me look at my life. Let me see if this is what I'm doing. Let me see if this is something that I can change. And it gives us a very clear way to say, okay, is this something I can need to continue to do or is this something I need to cut out, right? Uh, But let's jump into our first scripture because I absolutely love this scripture. It's Jeremiah. I've been reading the book of Jeremiah uh, lately, and it is fire. Uh, I love Jeremiah because it not only talks about Israel and how Israel is rebellious towards God and doesn't want to obey God and doesn't want to follow God, but it also talks about the call of Jeremiah as a prophet. And for me, I can relate on both sides. I can 100% relate to the rebelliousness of Israel as we can all do at some point. Right. And so it provides direction as far as my rebellious heart and how I can live a better life for God. Right. But it also provides direction as a prophet of God. Now a prophet of God uh, in the Old Testament was someone that God put his words in their mouth and told them to go tell people. And so right now we have the word of God. And so as long as we are preaching the word of god we are performing the same function. Now, I'm not going to sit here uh, walking around calling myself prophetess Chantelle, not at all, not claiming it, not calling myself that, not calling anybody else that god spoke through the prophets. I don't believe in that in in calling ourselves prophets, but in that function, if we are speaking the very words of god, he's put them in our mouths, we can continue to speak on his behalf in that way. And so I love listening to the direction that he gives Jeremiah as a young prophet, because I too want to speak the words of God to my generation and to anyone who will listen. So Jeremiah is a fire book. Like if you haven't read it, read. It, go read it because <laughs> it's, cause it's dope. But Jeremiah four, verse one through four, it says, if you, Israel, will return to me, then return to me. <laughs> I love how that starts out. He's like, yo, if you're gonna do it, then do it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> That's so funny. Um, and it reminds me <laughs> of how I don't like fake relationships. So it's like, if you're gonna be my friend, then be my friend, right? If you're here for me, then you're here for me. If you're not, then you're not. P- point blank, period. That's it. Right. And so I feel like that's how God starts out. This says, if you, Israel will return to me, then return to me. If you're going to come back, then come back for real, make it for real, for real, because that's all that I'm interested in. Right. Continuing. If you put your detestable idols out of my sight and no longer go astray. And if in a truthful, just and righteous way, you swear as surely as the Lord lives, then the nations will invoke blessings by him, and in him they will boast. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and to Jerusalem. Break up your unplowed ground and do not sow among the thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord. Circumcise your hearts, you people of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, or my wrath will flare up and burn like fire because of the evil you have done. Burn with no one to quench it. I love this passage because it's both the what we're supposed to do and the how. And anyone who has listened no, listened listen to my practicals and you know my my teaching for a while, you know that I'm a super practical person. You're you're gonna tell me to do something. I'm like, great. How? <laughs> right. What's what's the how? What's the practical behind it? Don't tell me to do anything that you're not going to tell me how to do it. Right. And I, I think it's the athlete in me. You know, I, I played basketball for a very long time and I, I want to know, don't just tell me to do something. Tell me the how so I can do it. Right. And so I love this passage because God is saying if. So when we see see if in the Bible, we know that it's about to be an if-then statement. There's a lot of if-then statements in the Bible. What is awesome about God is that he gives us very clear direction on what we should and shouldn't be doing. And then he is also very clear about the consequences or rewards for doing it. And so when we say if, he's about to tell us, okay, if you do this, then I will do this if you do this, then this will happen. It's very clear, very plain. And so I love seeing if, but that also puts the onus on us to do what he's saying or to not do what he's saying, because he's making it very plain. This is where the free will comes in. A lot of people will tell you, oh, you can do whatever you want. And God's a God of grace and God will... God will always forgive you and God loves you so much, which is all true. God loves you. God is the God of grace. He is the God of peace. He will always forgive you, period. However, every promise with God comes with a requirement from God. Every promise comes with a requirement. And this is where we find those requirements and those promises. That is where we find these if then statements, right? And so, I love it because it says, if you put your detestable idols out of my sight and no longer go astray, and if in a truthful way, just and righteous, you swear, as surely as the Lord lives, then the nations will invoke blessings by him, and in him they will boast. We have to realize that the blessings of God come with obedience to God. And this is sadly, this is a controversial teaching. These days, (laughs) because people are like, well, I I don't really have to obey. I just have to believe. I just have to believe in my heart. And my question is, do you really believe if you're not obeying? Right. If I tell you, hey, I have a bag of a million dollars one block away sitting on a corner and the first person that gets to it gets the money. And you're like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yes, yes, yes. And then you just sit there. I'm going to be like, what are you doing? And you're like, well, I'm really excited about this money. And I'm like, well, but you're just sitting there. Do you really believe that the money is there? And you're like, yeah, I do believe. Do you really want that money? Yeah, I really, really want that money. Why, Why are you just sitting here then? If you really wanted it and you really believed, then your actions would show that you really believed through you going to get it and quickly, (laughs) right? And so I love as God talks about these if-then statements. He's like, listen, if you do this and if you do this, then my blessings for that action will be this. Now, that doesn't mean that we can earn our salvation. That doesn't we can never do anything to be good enough for God. We can never do anything to earn our salvation or earn the blood of Jesus. That's that will be impossible. This is just saying that there are rewards and consequences for taking the actions that God tells us to take. And so for me, I love this because God is like, listen, if you do life my way, there will be rewards for that if, because I love you, because I'm trying to tell you what the best way to live life is, there will be rewards for that. So he's like, if you do this, if you do this, then you will invoke the blessings. Awesome. And then the how break up your unplowed ground. He's talking about your heart. He's talking about what is in your heart that is hard to him. That is preventing you from focusing on God. What is in your heart that is leading you astray and leading you to focus on other things? Break up your unplowed ground. He is trying to get you to look inside and look at your heart and figure out what is keeping me, what is keeping you from Him. And then it says, do not sow among the thorns. So not only breaking up your unplowed ground, but then stop throwing your seed and your energy and your focus among the thorns, among things that are going to choke out your relationship with God. That is not healthy. That's not going to help you with following God. And so he's telling you the how to circumcise your hearts, to cut out the things that are keeping you from being focused to God, from being loyal to God. Um, and then he's saying, or if, if we don't do that, then God's wrath will fill up against us. And we have to understand God is both a God of love and a God of justice. He is a God of forgiveness, but he's also a God of wrath. And a lot of people, again, don't want to hear this, but that it's true. We see it throughout the scriptures. And so we have to really pay attention to. These passages, and so we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna look at a, a New Testament passage because a lot of people will be like, oh, well, that's the Old Testament. The Old Testament God was the mean God, you know. But in the New Testament, the New Testament, he's he's chill, you know. He really loves. He's all about love and peace and and all that stuff. And he is, but he's still God of justice. So let's go to John fourteen verse fifteen. John fourteen verse fifteen. And it says, if you love me, keep my commands. (laughs) It's very short, short, sweet, to the point. If you love me, keep my commands. There we see another if sentence. If you love me, keep my commands. Very simple. So anyone who is not trying to keep God's commands, can we really say that we love him? And this is saying commands. It's not commandments. We are not under the law anymore. We're not under uh, the Ten Commandments. We don't have to live by the Ten Commandments and do all the sacrifices. And we are under grace through faith. You know, we're we're not under. Uh, the Mosaic law. A lot of times when in the Bible, even in the New Testament, when it's talking about works, when it's talking about commandments, it's talking about the Mosaic law and we are no longer under the Mosaic law, point blank period, right? But when it is talking about commands, Jesus is saying, live by my teachings. When I tell you to do something, do it he's not talking about the Mosaic law. He's like, follow my directions. Why? Because I was sent to speak on behalf of God. I'm going to tell you how to follow God. I'm going to tell you how to love God. I'm going to tell you how to get to heaven. And so you need to follow those. That's what God is saying. That's what Jesus is saying here. And so when he says, if you love me, keep my commands, he's not talking about the commandments uh, and all the, the 10 commandments in the Mosaic law, he's talking about hold to my teachings, right? In John 8, 31 and 32, he talks about, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. He's telling that to people who already believe in him. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So when Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands, he's talking about follow my way, hold to my teachings. And it's interesting because he doesn't say not, not if you agree with them or if it's easy or if it feels good or if everyone agrees with you or if society says it's it's popular or if your pastor says that this is what I command you to do or if, 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 if he didn't say any of those ifs, he says if you love me, keep my commands. And so it's very simple. Our love and our obedience is tied together. If one of the other is not there, then the other is not there. <laughs> right? If obedience is not there, then love is not there. If if love is not there, then obedience is not there. It, they're tied together because it's just if you love me, keep my commands. Simple but not easy. In verse 16 and 17, it goes on to say. And I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. So the spirit, the Holy spirit is here to help us obey. As long as we're walking with God and obeying him and and walking in the spirit, then we have the ability to obey. It is possible, right? When we don't have the Holy Spirit, it is literally impossible for us to live a life that is glorifying to God. But when we become gods, when we get saved, he gives us the Holy Spirit. And that is a gift that he puts inside of us, a little piece of him that he puts inside of us that helps us to walk according to his commands. That, to walk according to the way that he wants us to walk. And so, this is super, super important for us to know because when we obey, it's not on our own strength so that we can boast, oh, I'm so awesome. Oh, I'm so good. I built this life. No, you haven't. You haven't built anything. You are walking by the grace of God with his Holy Spirit, with his help, and you have to just decide to obey. And then, when you fall, you have to decide to get back up and decide to obey again. That's what it is. And when you disobey, grace covers it, but you got to get back up and decide to obey again. And that's what our walk is. And so we have to be focused on continuing to walk with God, continuing to do life God's way. And when you're focused on that, then you won't want to keep falling. You won't want to keep running off to other things that are going to make you fall You will continue to focus on the God that you really do want to love with all your heart. Uh, Moving on, let's go to Isaiah 52. We have uh, one more scripture. This is the last scripture. Let's go to Isaiah 52, verse 11 and 12. It says, depart, depart, go out from there. Touch no unclean thing. Come out from it and be pure. You who carry the articles of the Lord's house. But you will not leave in haste or go in flight, for the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. I love this passage. I know I say that all the time. Like, oh my gosh, I love this passage. (laughs) But I do! so anyway, it, this is a call to absolute purity for those of us who want to be used by God. And if we're following God and we love God, we should all want to be used by God. That is something that he just put innately in all of us. We want to participate in a bigger purpose. We want to be used by something and for something that is bigger than ourselves. And so that that really is all of us, whether we want to admit it or not. But this is a call to absolute purity. and absolute purity only comes from absolute focus. We should not expect God to use us if we're willing to walk in impurity repeatedly because God is pure and impurity in action or thought is a focus on anything else but God. And so for us, we have to look in our lives and be like, okay, Where am I not focused on God? Where is pulling my focus from God? Is that leading me to impurity in thought or action? And how can I switch my focus from that thing to back to God? Right? Because that's what impurity is. It's a focus on anything but God. And God is like, listen, touch no unclean thing. If somebody is not in God, then they are unclean. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. None of us are good people. We just have Jesus. That's it. But if somebody has yet to make the decision to have Jesus, then there are certain to, to accept Jesus, to walk with him, to obey him, um, to live in him, then that is not someone that we need to be dating or to be, with, that is going to pull us into impurity even more, right? That is a focus on something that is not God. If our job doesn't allow us to prioritize God and his family and prioritize a life that is glorifying to God, then that's impurity. That's not focusing on what God wants for your life, right? And so for us, we have to look at that and say, all right, where am I focused on God and where am I focused on other things? Because it's just depart, go out from here, touch no unclean thing, come out from it and be pure, you who carry the articles of the Lord's house. Now, this is in the Old Testament, but in the New Testament, we know, and under the New Covenant, we know that we have the Holy Spirit. If we are following God, if we're in God, then we have the Holy Spirit. We all are carrying the articles of the Lord's house. And so we all need to depart from every unclean thing. We all need to not touch those things and not participate in any kind of impurity in our lives. And then it says, the Lord will go before you. The God of Israel will be your rear guard. And I just love that because it's a promise. It's it's God's promise that he will protect us in the front. He will go before you and um, lead us in direction, but he will also go behind us and protect us as we are doing his will and his work. And that is something that we can never forget. Because if we forget that God is going with us, then we're not going to want to go. We're not going to we're not gonna be, have the strength to commit to it. We're not going to have the courage to commit to it. We're going to be um, riddled with an anxiety because we're going to think we got to do it on our own. And that's impossible. Right. And so God wants us to remember, no, I'm going before you to provide direction. And I'm going behind you to provide protection and peace. And I will be with you in the midst of the journey. We can never forget that, which is why we need to focus on God and not anything else. We need to just focus on God, focus on the path that he has for us, focus on the way that he wants us to walk and to live and focus on his presence. Focus on the fact that he is leading us, focus on the fact that he is protecting us and walking with us in peace and in that way, we will be fine whatever path that he has for us. But when we get into trouble is when we are, our focus goes off that path. And we're like, I don't know uh, if you can relate to this, but for me, I can be like walking on the path, walking on the path, and you're like, oh, squirrel. And you're like, oh. And then you're like, no, 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 no. Get back on the path. <laughs> right? Right. Let me focus. And that's kind of how repentance goes. You know, you're like, oh, I, I fell on the path or I I got distracted or I got unfocused or I took my eyes off Jesus. I'm like, oh, oh man, amen. Let me get back on the path, refocus. And <laughs> that's something that we are constantly doing, you know, but it all comes from where is your mind's focus? Where is your heart's focus? Are you allowing things into your life that are consistently pulling your focus away from God or that are consistently encouraging you and making it easier to focus on God? That is the key. And when we take a sober look at our lives, then we can start making some decisions as far as, okay, what do you need to change to make it easier to focus on God in your life? What do you need to cut out? I was talking to a friend uh, last night and she was saying, well, do I have to cut out this? Do I have to cut out this? I'm probably sure I have to cut out this. I'm probably sure I have to cut out this. And I said, well, here's a scripture. I think it was in Matthew 5. But it was talking about, you know, if your if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off, because it's better to have one eye and one hand than to be separated with God for all eternity. And God doesn't want us to be walking around with one hand and one eye. But at the end of the day, Whatever we have to do to keep our focus on God, even when it's painful, even when it's extreme, even when it's radical, we have to be willing to do that. And the promise that God gives us is that as we focus on him, as hard as it is, as we focus on him, as we do whatever we got to do to keep our minds on that path and make sure that we are walking in absolute purity as people of God, then he will go before us and he will be behind us on that journey. And that is the best news ever. So um, Jennifer says, yes, I can totally relate. Squirrel. Man. The struggle, right? But what's the the best thing ever is that God continues to be graceful and continues to welcome us back to his path um, even when we fall. And so if you're on here today and you've gotten distracted from God, if you have strayed off the path, you can always come back, you know, send me a DM and I would love, love, love to help you figure out what that looks like. Is there anything that any unplowed ground that you need to break up? Is there um, anything that you need to repent of? Is there anything that you need to cut out of your life? I would love to help you figure that out. So send me a DM, my, my, messages are always, always open. Um, if you are someone who is walking with God consistently, but you're like Chantelle, you know, this is really hard for me to focus. Then let's talk about it. Maybe we can pray together or I would, I would love to help you figure that out as well. So my messages are always open. Um, at the end of the day, God just wants you. He wants your focus. The Bible says that God is a jealous God. He wants your heart. He wants your focus. He wants a relationship with you. Why? Because he loves you more than anything. And we all know how crazy we get when we love somebody and we are made in the image of God. And so that's how crazy he gets over us. God does not play about us. He wants our heart. He wants our focus and he wants our loyalty. So if that is something you're struggling with, I would love to help you. Just send me a DM. Thank you so much for tuning in to this broadcast. I love you guys. I I absolutely love this time that we get to spend together in the mornings. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you guys soon. Bye.